When I was growing up, a phrase that was often said to me was this. Well, if I told you to jump off a cliff, would you do it? This phrase would often come out when I'd just done something that my parents weren't happy with, normally under the influence or instruction of somebody else, or at least that's what I would tell them. I remember one particular time when I was quite young. I used to have this friend over uh, to play after school. And this one particular time, we decided to make a massive den in my bedroom. It was going to be awesome. The best den ever. So I had this toy cupboard. We emptied all the toys and the shelves out of the cupboard. I took the bed sheet off my bed and used some of the heavier toys to pin the sheet on top of the toy cupboard. And then the other side of the sheet, my desk was on the other side of the room. We sort of pinned that using the chair on my desk over there. We made this awesome den. It was great. It was such great fun doing it. It was the best den ever. But unsurprisingly, when my mum came in my room, she did not appreciate the greatness of this den. She was more concerned about the greatness of the mess it had caused and the huge clear-up that was required afterwards. Something that, unsurprisingly as a young lad, had not even occurred to me at the time. It was all tidied up, mainly by my mum, if I remember uh, correctly. And a few months later, this same boy, Stephen, came over again. And despite my mum's earlier reaction and instructions not to do or to make the den, Stephen really wanted to. So he made the den again. After he had gone <coughs> and telling my mum that I had built the den again and her seeing the mess... I told her, well, it wasn't my fault because that's what Stephen really wanted to do. Even though that's not what my mother wanted. And this was one of those times when this phrase came out. Well, if he asked you to jump off a cliff, would you follow it? Would you do it? This phrase, as I grew up, uh, it's re through its repeated use, I learned, I had two real meanings or life lessons that I needed to learn. One, the importance of needing to evaluate the words that were being spoken to me, i.e. not just to accept and do what I was being asked of, but also more subtly, learn whose words I should listen to, whose words had more importance. In this case, was, did I value my mother's words more importantly, or my friend's? The Den is a really light-hearted example of a challenge that actually John is highlighting in this passage from the Bible today. John is telling his readers of this letter, particularly in those uh, first six verses of chapter four, about the importance of being able to evaluate and discern the truth and the heart behind the words that we hear that are spoken to us. And John is telling his readers that they need to be aware that not all the words they hear are going to be true. And as Christ followers, they need to be careful about what they listen to and what they believe. We're not to allow the words or the spirit behind the words, which John is looking at in those verses in chapter 4, that aren't from God to have influence over us. We need to be aware of their origin.
Now, the context, if you remember, of this, uh, the whole letter of 1 John is uh, to where the Christians were being directly and deliberately challenged to change their views on who Jesus was and also on how to live. Now, this is not happening in the same way as it was back then, but I do believe that this is something that Christians here in our country are really being challenged with at the moment in our society. We're being challenged about who Jesus was and how we should live our lives. So this morning, I'm just going to go through uh, three points that I hope will help us be able to understand this passage a bit better. We're going to look at the reality of the world we live in, the spirit of truth, the spirit of uh, of error, and then we're going to look at how we can, as Christians, discern truth in ourselves and in others. So let's look at the reality of the world we live in first. John warns in, uh, at the end of that opening verse of chapter 4 that many false prophets have gone out into the world. <laughs> prophets were people who would go around proclaiming and exclaiming news and ideas that they would want people to listen to and believe, often about gods or religious beliefs. But they don't always have to be. A prophet today could be anyone that we listen to and get our values from. And in the West, don't we, we live in a world where there are so many voices and opinions to listen to, so many ideas about how we should live our lives. When I was growing up, I mainly got uh, my news and information from the television. I can remember when I was at junior school, in the second year at junior school, taking a letter home really excited because my junior school was about to buy its first computer a BBC computer, for those of you that remember. I'm only 37, but how different is it today? People anywhere and everywhere have vast amounts of information. We have access to anything, anytime, anywhere. I'm reading a book at the moment which is exploring the culture of the next generation that that is growing up, those born from sort of 1996 onwards. And one of the the key markers that this generation have been labelled at is what they call Wi-Fi enabled. The average teenager, did you know, spends nine hours a day on some kind of media device. 91% of teenagers go to bed with a device that connects to the internet. There are several implications of this, which is why I'm mentioning it here. But it's drastically moved the goalposts for how young people learn and grow. Education and institutions, churches amongst them, used to be places where people would go to find out uh, information, to learn and to grow. Places that could be trusted. Now people don't need to go anywhere to find out anything. They just pick their phone out of their pocket and Google it. But although that's good on one level, you can reach and find out much more information than you ever had before. I certainly find it helpful at lots of times. It creates another problem. Because there is so much information, often contradictory, how do we know what to trust and what to believe? Very little advice is given on how to discern fact from fiction. One of the major implications that this has had on our society, and it's an idea that's been around in a while, is that truth is relative or a personal choice. There's too much information, which is that it... 
fantastic example of this happened just a couple of weeks ago with Tim Faith, with what's now expected of being a political leader in our society. Public, true. That attitude is so valued now in general society. It affects all with you some statistics. In 1993, um, sorry, 63 in this country, that's a massive increase. So if this is the reality of the world uh, we live in, how do these words from John help us? Well, first thing, the reality of truth and of lie. John rejects the idea, relative, or that this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Did you notice there's no middle ground? That a spirit is either from God or it is as uh, sort of often in this passage is an idea of what is within you that gives voice. And John equates that spirit of truth with the, with the spirit of God. He was simply near to say that truth is not relative now. But this is what the Bible teaches. And what people say is one or the other. And John actually tells us in this passage that we are able to discern the difference between the two, particularly when it comes to faith. faith. I'm sure what damage lying, evil, and harsh words can do to us when they're spoken to us. Constantly told, you're not good enough by somebody else when they were growing up. And it can affect us and impact us. So we need to be able to make sure that we can discern the difference between words that are true and words that will ultimately lead to destruction and destroy us. How do we discern truth in ourselves and in others? Before we get into this, ethos of this letter. John is writing about how to discern truth and lie, not so that Christians can go around thinking we're better than other people and be all proud and boastful, looking down on others, not listening or caring at all what other people have to say. We need to remember that a major theme of this letter from John is about learning to love God and learning to serve one another in the way that Jesus did. Serving people self-sacrificially, being generous and speaking truth in love. Living those transformed lives with the power of the Spirit within us. That's kind of a real... But remember also that John points out that even though we can discern the truth, we are still people that make mistakes. We are not perfect, so we're definitely not to look down on others. But alongside this, here John is saying that with the help of God, particularly in the words we hear, and the first thing we need to do involves something that we must do in, and the first in chapter 3. And this is his command, to believe in the name of and ultimate truth is that truth cannot be found in anything that goes against Jesus. If we want to be able to know and discern truth, we must know Jesus, our Saviour, to take that step. There's so much evidence that Jesus is real, not only historical evidence, but also in the transformed lives of, of the many people here already. The Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, which comes and lives in us, need to discern truth. The Spirit comes in us and it helps us to grow and change and be more the people that God wants us to become, to grow in love of him and of others. It's such an incredible gift. 
And these two are the simple basis for how we can discern and, and grow in truth. Believing in Jesus and receiving the Holy Spirit. So how do we discern truth in others? In the words we are hearing. I've labelled it others, but actually it could be the words that we also hear ourselves saying or the beliefs that we have in our own mind that we hold on to. How do we know if we're being held on to or being said in error? Well, the first, time, first uh, thing to do, which is probably the hardest, is sometimes the Holy Spirit works by giving what I call a, a check in the Spirit. Something you hear just makes you feel uncomfortable, and sometimes you're not even sure why. That could well be God's Spirit within you warning you to be careful about what you're hearing. Sometimes we can be wrong, but if that happens, it's often good to pause and pray, asking God to reveal why you felt like that and give you more wisdom. But there's also two other questions we should ask when we hear words that are spoken. Does it point to Jesus? Because verse 3, every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Does it point to Jesus? And the second question to ask is, does it align with Scripture? That's what more I think what John is saying in verse 6, but i get on to that in a bit. If the person speaking is pointing away from Jesus, then we still need to listen carefully and appropriately. Remember how we're supposed to treat people. But what we need to do is when we hear their words, is make sure we don't value what they are saying more than we value and trust God's words. I thought a great example of this would be uh, the BBC. I listen to the BBC News and visit their website regularly. I watch their TV programs. But they do not, as an organization, as I'm sure many of you, Christian eat them at all. But when I watch and listen, I need to be aware what they value unquestioningly and without any sort of discernment. way to know if it points to Christ it is by reading the Bible. It's a great way to discern at Jesus because that is what scripture does. It points to Jesus. You search the scriptures because they think they give you eternal life but the scriptures point to me and reading them uh, as they point to him. In verse says, we are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. John the Apostle when you think to Jesus, they help us discern what is truth and what is lie. So if we want with God, talking to him, reading and hearing God's word, so many different voices and values spoken to us that it is often difficult to know what is truth and what is lie. But John is clear, we can know truth. And that truth is found in Jesus and lives in us by his Holy Spirit. So let me encourage you to make sure you spend time in this busy and noisy world listening to and valuing the right voices. Not simply accepting as equal and true all that you hear, but spend time with God regularly. Do pray, read the Bible, listen to the Holy Spirit within you. And don't just take on the values of the world that are constantly pushed in our way through the media that we carry around in our pockets, 
24 hours a day. Amen.